So, what episode is this? 119? 119, Violent Countdown. Isn't that fucking insane? You guys are just powerhouse. I know. Man, we're unstoppable. Yeah. Some of us are unstoppable. Some yeah. of us have... Yeah, we've actually been extremely stoppable tonight. Everyone <laughs> everyone has been stopped, except me and Joel. And I was very nearly stopped. I'm like, I, I swear to God, I had a flu, like... Well, whenever Jen's birthday was, so it was like a month so that, and a half ago or something. Yeah, that was October 14th. And I just feel like that should get me out of the doghouse for a while, right? But Mother Nature doesn't give yeah. a fuck about no. that. So I just got this weird, anyway, this little, yeah, quick, quick flu bug. Now I'm just sort of like, oh, like last day, you know, just feeling the slug. It's a nice excuse to just stay inside, though. That's true. Like, I, I mean, it. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. Un- unfortunately for me, I have a job. So, like, the month of November was I basically just burned up pretty much all my sick days. It's yeah. just like things like this really make me just so thankful I don't have a job. Because uh, Sunday night after uh, Jed's birthday party, yeah. holy fuck, I was just, I don't know if anyone read my dumb Twitter, but just a stream of pain and sadness of just like yeah. what's wrong with my throbbing head just horrible like I was up till like 5 in the morning yeah. just just shitty so today I am out because we're at uh, Elliot's bar that is across the street from my house it's really your living room let's uh, yeah. let's, let's call it what it is it's like yeah. an extra room in my house I was thinking today about uh if I stay in Toronto for Christmas and everyone else is going to be gone and I got nothing else to do, I was like, I should just get drunk for days and days and days and see what that's like. And this bar will be very helpful for that. Just, uh, just see, just uh, have a, like a week long bender, just to yeah, because like I, I or like a Christmas break long bender. Like oh, say like sorry, real quick. Um, yeah, we keep, should introduce our guest. I keep to that. I'm like, as soon as yeah, I some, some guy just talking. So uh, who we got here besides me and Joel is we have Eric of Tip Tap Tip, who is kind of the creator of the Vinyl Countdown. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. I'll agree <laughs> no, with you, no, I'm not, definitely. Uh, <laughs> definitely. So, uh, I'll let you guys uh, presents. Well, yeah, how did, that, how did that work? Well, it was exactly. because I got this email out of nowhere when I got early on in Toronto from uh, this guy, Scarborough dude. Yeah, I I um, posted a, a comment on his um, on his uh, website uh, comparing, basically saying, oh, you know, you should listen to, uh, you know, the, uh, the ham radio show because it's sort of similar in tone and content to the kind of stuff that you do and then I guess he took the initiative contacted you right. after he listened to a, a few episodes and liked it and um, so did you guys like uh, what did you you went for a drink how was it how was well, that's, it uh, yeah that's when I first learned about uh, Scarborough dudes uh, how was it how was or it Norinas? what was it like going on a blind date with like an old <laughs> dude yeah well that's the thing too is he's just like uh, you know I am in Scarborough uh, you know maybe we should hang out sometime and uh, and I was like uh, like to me, I don't know where Scarborough is. I don't know Ontario geography at all. Yeah. Like, I thought it could be another Hamilton, Burlington. Who the fuck knows? So yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. Whenever you're in town, let me know. And he's like, yeah, I mean, this is Toronto. I am in town. And I'm like, all right, sorry, old man. <laughs> no, then, you're not. Uh, well, then I listened to a random episode of Dixon Janes, and uh, what really stood out is I remember he was talking about the experimental therapy that he went through in Vancouver yeah. in the 70s. Right, his group therapy or whatever. Yeah, and uh, just how much it helped him and how life changing it was. And it's weird because. Me and him fundamentally have very different kind of views of stuff. Where if you want to go simple with it, he's left, I'm right. Yeah. Where to me it was Ayn Rand books growing up, but I talked about them that same way. Like, what would my life?
life be like if I didn't find these? And I've gotten over that now. I'm like, it's just a fucking book. It actually has a lot of problems. So to hear him still talking about whatever happened to him and like, like, what would I do without it? It kind of freaked me out a little bit. I was like, yeah. who is this guy? But then where I met him was uh, me and Brad and maybe Picard. We all met him at Say What? Okay. It's down by... Oh, so uh, the three of you met uh, him at the same time? Was it just you yeah. and... And, and, uh, and it wasn't for very long. It was only for like half an hour, but it was fine. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was pretty cool. And, like and, our, and just to fill you in, Say What is a... Uh, it's a bar with no music. No, it's a bar with no music? Or? Yeah. Actually, maybe you're right, because yeah, that time me and Picard did our first McNally and Picard show was there. So it's a quiet yeah. bar, right? Well, that's why it's called Say What, is because the idea is that you're supposed to have conversation there instead oh. of... It's, yeah, it's, it's, sorry to, to interject here, but like um, a while back on one of our, our um, shows, I, I'd, I'd gone off on this rant and how I was searching for like the quietest bar in Calgary, right? right. Because I had a bad experience at a, at a bar where the uh, the acoustics were so bad that I couldn't even hold a conversation without screaming across the table. Right? It's, it's underrated, right? It's like quiet bars are awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, back to your uh... yeah. So I found out that that was how uh, Scarborough Dude found out about my show was through this Eric from Tip Tap Tip who I'd never heard of before. I assume you must have known me from Keeping the Girl. I'm guessing. Yeah, and then you know, I, then I'd um, God uh, bless lis- that. Then I'd li- been listening to you, like the ham radios and the XOs and stuff like that. So yeah, the old Keeping the Girl man, that thing just keeps paying off. I mean, mm-hmm. My roommate right now, I know, because of keeping the girls. Yeah. Just like it, just the gift that keeps on giving. That whole scene. Ah, uh, shit. What was I saying? Yeah. So then I don't remember where I saw Scarborough Dude the second time, but eventually it just turned into, you know, like the Imperial Pub, and then eventually his uh, podcast or live night, and then at one of those is when I met Joel, and then it turns out you knew Joel, and like it's this whole little podcast family. It's, mm-hmm. it's cool. I, I was talking to Joel the um, the other day. Um, just trying to get a, get a sense of like where sort of everybody came from and how it all came together because I knew that Joel had met you guys at the Imperial Pub at the live podcast tonight, but it wasn't sure like you know the connection between like you and Craig and Picard. I I figured that you and Picard had met through Keith and the Girl events. Yeah, we met. Me and Picard met because the second year I did uh, the stand up contest. Yeah, and uh, I saw that that video you had on YouTube. Right. Like, so nice. instead of uh, staying at a hotel or whatever, I knew Spooky at that point. Yeah. So uh, I just was staying with him, and then Picard was just the like Spooky just put it out there he's like anybody wants to stay in my apartment just let me know and Picard was the one guy ballsy enough he's like even though no one knows who I am and I don't know you really can I stay yeah so he showed up and that's when I first met him and we had a, a grand old time it's kind of like you guys were like summer camp friends yeah yeah totally because you know? then it like boiled down to like everybody else had gone home except like me and Picard and Spooky were just hanging out for like an extra day and a half doing yeah, stuff team, and team tough guys <laughs> team tough guys yeah. exactly I'll have to yeah. find that picture to put on the site it's fucking awesome it's us by a forklift looking all tough yeah and uh yeah we just didn't want to go home and that's that's kind of what tricked me into moving to new york i was like this is so fun this is the best time in the world like i love it because i was just visiting and you know it keeps it light yeah and then i met craig and mike at like we just had uh, like hey mcnally's in toronto let's have a keith and the girl meetup and you know it's like okay everyone here is not bad but who are the guys i could actually hang out with all the time and it wasn't many the people I could tolerate from the, yeah. this, this riffraff. So I think, like, the second time that I met those guys at a little get-together, it was like, we should just keep hanging out, you know? Cause, plus, you just can't organize 12, 15 people. It's impossible. So, yeah. you know, we're just like, let's just stick to the gold. <laughs> and those two guys were friends from before, mm-hmm. so it was easy, too, to hang out with them. 
And then, uh, yeah, and then it all turned into Vinyl Countdown because the first night we did Vinyl Countdown just happened to be the first night Joel came. Yes. And it, it was kind of like a double whammy with Joel because he knew who I was through Keith and the Girl, yeah. but then he knew of Scarborough Dude and all this stuff so because of you. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was all, it was kismet. It was meant to be. Nice. So from now on, till the end of today, it'll be called Tip Tap Tip Presents Vinyl <laughs> Countdown. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> sure. Well, let's see that. Yeah. And now here we are a year in, and now it's it's mutating and branching off. Me and Picard are talking about doing a spin-off, and then me, Mike, and Joel are going to do a spin-off, and we got all these spin-offs happening. Now, I, was, I wasn't sure whether we could bring that up officially yet. But yeah, uh, I mean, I think it doesn't. It won't be for a while, but yeah, why not, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting idea. I, I think... Uh, I'm excited about it, actually. It's kind of like everyone's got a show except Pearl Craig now. He needs to do like a DJ <laughs> show or something. Like, oh, actually, and, and that's, um, I mean, Violent Countdown is going to be the home of Craig. Maybe it'll be Craig Presents Violent Countdown. Yeah, yeah that's true. And, uh, yeah, it's Co- like, uh, Coach Presents Violent Countdown. When, uh, you got to get him the whistle. Yeah. <laughs> and a tracksuit. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, long story short, yeah, yeah, you, you were uh, instrumental in uh, bringing this little uh, Toronto community together so yeah thank you and all the way from Calgary which is I know, even like weirder pulling strings yeah, yeah. Some so, sort of uh, you truly are the puppet master yeah. but it's, it's funny it's like Eric is actually you know like even back when we were younger he's never really credited for it but like you're, you're but he wrote the bible well, no. Well, there's that. It was a and uh, <laughs> hey, it was busy. But but you connect a lot of people. Actually, I'm just thinking about my own personal friendships. Yeah. A lot of them lead back to you in a lot of ways. So it's like you, you're uh, you're a connector of people. Well, it's good to know that God has some sort of purpose for me in this. this that's right. <laughs> that's right. You're dumb as shit. Normally. Yeah. No matter that's how right. many yeah detriments it <laughs> seems like life is throwing your way. Like what skills? What use do I even have in this life? It yeah. turns out that you do have one. You Make know, people you, talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> And you're crippling Asperger's. I mean, like you, you you've maybe that's so why it's like people just talk through you and over you and past you so much that next thing you know they're talking to each other. Yeah, yeah. Right. We're getting to the bottom of this. <laughs> I always used to be when I was a kid. Like I was always the guy that was the nexus of everything. Like I had tons to this day. Most of my friends back home aren't friends with each other. They're only friends through me. Okay. Yeah. But I think it was a, a lot of it was because my mom didn't care if everyone came to our house and messed it up every day. Mm-hmm. So I was the house everyone could come to so I just learned how to host a party you know actually I think both Eric and I share that too because like we had that like Eric's place yeah he, he could have like five kids over and we could rip shit up and yeah like my parents are just were just happy that um, I didn't make anyone pregnant as a teenager I didn't do drugs and it was not in jail so they pretty much you know as long as I was respectful which I was it was all cool like people crashed my place and yeah. And and his uh, his parents smoked, so you know, like all his smoking friends got to change. Dad would offer Joel smokes. Yeah, at like what we were like 16, 15, 16, <laughs> something like that. Like yeah. oh, your dad's the coolest. My, like, that's I, how Joel sounds at fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> I believe it. But no, he did like Eric little, said, little he used pixie to, like, back yeah. then. He used to like roll me smokes with a rolling machine and everything. He'd be like, it was like, you want a cigarette?" And then like. If we got talking about music, then I had his ear. And it got to a point where uh, me and Eric's dad would hang out and, like, he'd start making coffee for me and him to hang out and feed me cigarettes. And Eric would leave. <laughs> and, like, he'd be like, oh, fucking, fucking bored. And he would just, like, go somewhere. And, yeah. it, you know, me and Eric's dad would just be like, 
shooting the shit for like a couple hours. It was like, yeah, it was really weird. It's kind of not quite that level, but with my dad, like my dad's just not a communicative guy. I just, we just don't have much to say to each other. We talk about movies and that's about it. But all my friends are like, your dad's the coolest, man. I love that guy. He's super great. Where's your dad today? Yep. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, no, like we, 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 I think we definitely, everybody liked your dad. So it was just. He still likes my dad. He's a very, very chatty, very personable guy. Yeah. And my dad. Cuss is like a trucker. It's oh, awesome. And it's, it's, it's bad because like um, this summer, Rochelle's family, Rochelle's my wife, every summer at the August long weekend, there's like a family reunion slash camping trip thing in a Rocky Mountain house in Alberta. And it's, you know, Rochelle's side of the family is fairly Christian, right? They're not, like, tight asses, but, like, you know, they all go to church every Sunday, right? The best Christian in the world is still the worst person in the world, we know. <laughs> I invite my dad along, because, you know, yeah, it's fun to hang out with. But, you know, and I, I give my dad the uh, the pep talk along the way there. I'm like, all right, just lay back on the JCs and, like, the <laughs> GDs and, like, you know, just... Other than that, everybody's cool. But, like, you know, he's just like, F this, F that. This fucking sucks. I will fucking nail you to a cross. (laughs) So, um, years and years and years ago, uh, Eric moved to Vancouver, and he he had a bunch of shit in storage at my grandmother's house, I believe. So I ended up with, like, a handful. It wasn't wasn't very many, but it was a handful of records of Eric's, and some were his dad's. Yeah. Right? And one one of which was... uh, Santo and Johnny? Santo and Johnny. And I, I think, I, I hope I had gotten the rest of the records back, but there was this one that ended up coming to Toronto with me. Yeah. And uh, so Eric's wedding rolls around. He's like, eh, do you have that Santo and Johnny record? I'm like, yeah, I do, actually. He's like, he's like would you mind bringing it? I'm like, yeah, no problem. So I bring it. And, and I bring it to Eric's house, like, you know, the day of the wedding kind of thing. I'm like, well, here's the Santo and Johnny, blah, blah, blah. And then we just go on. And then I see Eric's for the Eric's dad for the first time in like maybe I, I don't know like maybe twelve years. Yeah. First words out of his mouth is Joel. I'm like, hey Bruce, how's it going? Where's my fucking record? Because I, I had mentioned I had mentioned to my dad that you know like Joel had the record. I'd lent it to him, and then like you know so he's he'd always sort of. Uh, had Joel in his mind as that asshole still has my Santo and Johnny record. Yeah, friends are friends, but I mean, oh, he, Jesus, no, he goes, I mean my fucking record. He goes, "Where's my fucking record?" I'm like, "I left it with Eric. Don't worry, it's in the same condition as when I had it like 15 years ago. Don't, don't, don't sweat it." But it was just, it was funny that that was my, you know, the first thing he said to me. So yeah, and you know that's one thing that's just tragic about the resurgence of vinyl and like now when uh, a band plays on Jimmy Kimmel, like they hold up the vinyl again and yeah. like that's the thing is that my dad had a whole wall of vinyl, just tons, and it was just amazing. He used to, like, play Boris the Spider by The Who to make me go to sleep. Like, if you go to bed, I'll blast, you know, these songs that you like. But he just loves collecting to no end, so he replaced all of his vinyl with cassettes, then walls of cassettes, then moved on to CDs, and then once I showed him my MP3s work, now he just doesn't give a fuck. But I'm like, oh, I wish he still had all those records. Like, Yeah, yeah. well, and I, I did a huge purge of records. Like, uh, my collection is probably a third of what I used to own. Yeah. But, it, fuck, who can keep all that shit now? Like... Yeah, I mean it's awesome for me because I got this sweet record player at the apartment and a bunch of records because my two roommates are both into vinyl, so I just have it there. But also when I move, I don't need to take it. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's kind of awesome. I, I find that collecting in general is is sort of like it, it's sort of a luxury of that bygone era of like people having big houses and space to store shit and like you know like living in Toronto where things are smaller and you know rent is expensive. It's just like. 
who can have a collection now? You know, like I know people still do it, but it just boggles my mind now. Everything is digitized, so yeah, I see what you mean because I'm kind of in this the same space where I'm just I'm 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 wanting to get rid of shit. I'm mm-hmm. just like, and any time like I'm thinking of buying a CD or buying like you know a DVD or whatever, I'm like, okay, this is an object. This is something which is going to take up physical space on a shelf. You know, it might be a very small space, but this is this something that I like enough that I'm willing to give up. You know, physical space in my apartment, and most of the ninety percent of the time, I'm like fuck it, I'll just download it. Yeah, I've become so pathological. I was watching that show Hoarders. Yeah, I'm the yeah, anti-hoarder. Yeah. Like, I guess it's not a bad thing, but it's the other side of the coin. But to a, such a degree that I don't even keep digital files. Like, if I download a TV show, unless I'm really sure I'm going to watch it again. Yeah. And then after that second time, I usually delete it because I'm you like, know what? that's that's actually some next level shit. Because like, <laughs> that's that's how things are supposed to go. You know all this all this talk of the cloud. That's that's a digital horror. That's yeah. That's the future we're looking at. Is that everything's going to be instantly accessible at any time, and you you're not supposed to keep anything. Well, that's like uh, like for instance, season two of uh, Louis Louis C.K.'s show yeah. Louis was out, so I kept that because I know I won't want to watch it again until they announce season three is starting, and next year I'll want to watch it again. Yeah. But even that, I had it on a portable drive, and I wanted to watch episode nine with Doug Stanhope in it. Yeah. Uh, episode Eddie. It's like genius it's so good but i gotta plug in the fucking portable drive hook the thing in i just downloaded it again it took fucking two minutes (laughs) there's just no need anymore but what got me with physical stuff i think it was two things in particular is i had tons and tons of cds just ludicrous amounts and then our house got broken into i found out later it was the kid next door and he stole them all and it was just such a shock to the system to go up to my room and have them just all be gone that it just never quite recovered. Like, oh, I don't want the... No, you're like, I need nothing. <laughs> yeah, like, I never want to feel that again. But then the other one that really got me was uh, the comic store I worked at. I worked there for, like, probably seven years. Wow. And it was largely store credit. Like, I got paid halfway in, but those first, like, three and a half years was really just comic books because I'd read so many comics. But it just got so out of hand. Like, to this day, my mom's closets in our house are full of comics that I don't even wow. know what to do with or how to get rid of them. And... Uh, I had a rat that was just like in a, a I, I didn't I felt bad putting the rat in a cage and I had this enormous uh, house growing up so I just kind of gave the rat my bedroom I just let it run around and do whatever and it just found ways to burrow into everything and I felt I would open a I had a uh, clothing drawer full of comic books and I opened it up one day and it was full of like rat piss and shit because the rat had figured out how to climb up behind the back and I was like, well, there goes all my... I had, like, Scud the Disposable Assassin that was this comic book that uh, Dan Harmon, who does Community, did with his friend Rob Schrab back the in the one, day. Is this the one where the, the assassin comes out of a vending machine or something? Yeah, he comes out of a vending machine, but halfway through his first mission, he sees a note on his back that says this unit will self-destruct upon termination of its target. So instead, he cripples his target and puts it on life support, but then he has to get a second job to keep the life support going. Wow. It, was, it was genius, but at its peak, you know, it sold 10,000 copies. No one ever heard of this thing. Wow. You could never find these again. Yeah, there's a collection, but not the issues. Rat shit all over them. So, like, yeah, between those two things, I'm just like, like, I saw, especially with the comics, how it can just get out of hand. Like, if I put those in a box and said on eBay, you can have these for shipping, it's still not worth the trouble. Like, it's just... Do you mean, because somewhere in my dad's crawl space under his stairs, I have, like, I think two or three, like, those long comic book boxes mm-hmm. full of, like, like, I guess what was then current of, like, the like late 80s, early 90s, like X-Men. And, and well, yeah, because I remember you and I kind of were friends around that time period. Yeah. So, like, 
Actually, interesting. I, I have the same same era collection too. Actually, this is a, sort of a, um, related to that. Sort of ties in with my parent Aspergers is is um, <laughs> um, the the crawl space uh, for under the stairs was right behind my room, right? I was I was just gonna fucking tell the story. Okay, and apparently, like, um, <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous, but like I knew that my dad had stored like it's like nineteen like 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 late seventies like early. 80s like Playboys and Penthouse and like in like um, some boxes down there, right? But I didn't want to start going through there, like you know, and make it apparent parent that <laughs> to, to, to to go into the door around um, into the crawl space, right? So I took my dad's axle, I carved this <laughs> hole in the back of my closet, which went to the back, which Holy went. Into shit. <laughs> that is like some like, Ferris Mueller shit. That's awesome. The drywall, which when we came over and like. Um, you know, we painted Eric, Eric's closet because yeah. we were all like artist so there, kids. So there's this hole, like, and then obviously I did, I'm not really handy, so I had no idea how to fix it. <laughs> so there's this hole. My dad has since fixed it, and we've never talked about this since. Man. By the way, it's the, the the hole for a brief amount of time was labeled escape hatch. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, like your little escape hatch to Pornland. Yeah. Holy fuck, that is beautiful. Well, you know what? You want to hear a quick story about that rat? It was an albino rat, and I only had it because my friend uh, Ray had extra rats that he couldn't look after, so he gave me one. But yeah. since I let it run around in my room all the time, it was uh, burrowing into my mattress and running around and kind of living in there. Jesus. And no matter how much I tried to block off the mattress holes, it would just make new holes. And then I started getting these weird headaches. And uh, had I even—I don't think I'd even seen Train Spotting at that point. I don't know, but you know, uh, the but, guy but that it was dies—toxoplasmosis, like yeah, where he dies from uh, Tommy dies because uh, the cat shit in his room gives him an abscess in his brain, and I realized that that's what it was. It was this uh, the buildup of rat shit was giving me these weird headaches because as soon You're as I basically living like a homeless person within a yeah, house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as soon as I left that room, though, it was fine. But I still didn't want to put the rat in a cage. There's just no need. I got this enormous house, so instead I put a screen door over my bedroom door, and I just. Took a different room and slept in there. <laughs> like you so so the rat, the rat got its own room. The rat room, yeah. <laughs> no, no. And I would just go in once a day, and I also didn't want the rat to be bored, so I would hide the food in weird different places. So it would how, have to, how old were you? Uh, like seventeen or sixteen. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! And uh, and I would hide the the rat food in different places around the room with like boards it would have to run across and little adventures it would have to go on. <laughs> And my cats would all just sit but outside that, screen, that door. screen door and just watch the rat run across the But room the reason a rat has a cage isn't because you have a big house. It's so it doesn't fucking in your burrow shit. into your, in your... Yeah, it, it doesn't yeah. start laying, you know, like rat poo bacteria. Yeah. Yeah, that became evident. But it's just... Uh, <laughs> it's just what it, but it would be such a boring life to live in a cage. And then it died before yeah, too long. Yeah. Like, it probably lived two and a half years. <laughs> I don't know. But... Uh, and it died in the mattress. <laughs> so that was... Yeah. But the maggots kept living. <laughs> <laughs> why do we even... I don't know why we... I mean, I assume we just threw out the mattress. Of course we did. But I think it was just because my mom is like... Yeah, has like an inappropriate attachment to animals that she needed to give it an official burial so she was in there like with a knife cutting open the mattress to get the little rat corpse but she found it when I wasn't home so I never saw and it and your parents were totally fine with you know their their son having a rat claim the entire room and eat and yeah. shit and it was the wild west basically the whole third floor of the house was just mine I can do whatever I, I am, wanted I'm actually shocked that you turned out as well as you did to be yeah. honest like it, it's 
there were no there were no brakes being applied in any front. <laughs> so, you, so you had like full on no boundaries whatsoever. Except the one thing was I was not allowed to skip high school, and I just feel like that was the wrong uh, wrong hill to die on, Mom, because <laughs> it wouldn't hurt at all. Like I was just like. Look, I don't want to go today, and it's just that was those were the fights. That was the one thing. I just didn't go. And, yeah, well, eventually and, I did that too. Yeah. It's funny actually. Um, speaking of skipping high school, is um, Joel. This is kind of how Joel and I reconnected, right? Is um, we'd known each other in elementary school. I think Falcon Ridge Elementary grade. I was in grade six. Joel was in grade five, and then uh, we went to different junior highs. But then uh, well, we lived in the same neighborhood, so we yeah. saw each other all the time. But they busted out to like different. Uh, but we weren't like friends at this point. We were just like we just we were guys each other knew basically. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, and then I went to one high school, and then Joel went to another. And then I, for some reason, you had decided to switch to my high school for like a semester, right? Well, no, no. We had we had actually become friends in late junior high. So like we just had we hung out that summer. No, of, I didn't uh, really know you in junior high. I don't know. No, no, no. In, in like the summer of grade nine, like or from it was my grade nine. It was yeah. probably your grade ten. Okay, high school, high school. Yeah, yeah. Well, because you're a year older, so so like from my point of view, I knew you. Uh, like I just hung out with you summer before I started high school, kind of thing. Yeah. And like you and I liked the same music because we were the only people, the only kids in our neighborhood who had even heard of. Um, uh, Smashing Pumpkins for starters. Yeah. Um, and this is like, this Gish. is, yeah, this is Gish. This is early Smashing Pumpkins. Um, yeah, so like. But then there's that one day where we both decided to skip school. Yeah, yeah. And then so like, we called it, uh, it uh, well, it was our Ferris Bueller's Day Off day. Yeah, it's exactly what it was. We went around to all these different places. Do you have a kiss for daddy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, that, that was. It, it was funny, it was like... And then I switched to his high school, and then fuck it. But the first year at, uh... uh the first year I figured out how to do this was to give the school a fake phone number from day one oh, when yeah. you fill out the forms. Because they phone if you skip school, right? Jeez, yeah, that's a good idea. From day one. Uh, hey, kids. Listen to Uncle Joel here. Yeah, no, day one you give them a fake phone number, and then you skip, your parents never know. Yeah, because I think they had, like, this automated system that would phone your house in the evening, like, between, like, 7 and whatever, and, you know, saying, oh, your wrecking kid is a skipping asshole. Your child, Eric, <laughs> was out there. Apparently, I didn't, have that, I didn't have that foresight, and I was always just sort of hovering around the phone between, like, 7 and 8, and like, I got it! He did what? <laughs> it's mine! I got it! Well, I think, I think back, uh, especially in high school, it's like, we... We figured out so many different ways to game the system because we were like, we were poor kids who just, uh, you know, we were from we were from the hood. Everybody else was from the hood, so it, we went to like the worst public public schools. Um, yeah, like barring native reservations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you must have had some bad schools. <laughs> I don't know. Well, like. We went to the same schools that, uh, and, and keep in mind this is like early hip hop days or early gangster rap days, where in in elementary school and junior high, everybody loved each other despite race or whatever. It was not an issue. One love. It was totally one love. But then high school came along and everybody turned into 
like if you were of another race, you it's segregated. Race. Yeah, you thugged up under your race's color. So suddenly, all the Indian guys were hanging out with the other Indian guys. All the black dudes were hanging out with the black dudes. It was totally weird. Um, I mean, for for us, it was weird because it was just like, huh? Why? Why is suddenly like my best like Asian buddies? Why are they hanging out with other Asian kids? But. Uh, you ever see that movie 10 things i hate about you yeah i love that movie but when he's going or he's being introduced to all the cliques in the school one of them is the cowboys and they're just sitting around eating beans out of a can <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just the awesome. cowboys yeah which i guess isn't so weird for you guys the calgary thing but in uh you know southern california yeah, it's clearly we silly. had a few cowboys that's for sure i don't know like i calgary is a weird city because like on one hand, like you know, like for about one week out of the year, we we, we play up our cowboyness, right? But then right. the rest of the year, we're like we try and play it down because we're, you know, we try and come off as like a metropolitan city, like you know, and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. I can't believe my dad fixed it, and then we never have like communicated about this incident. <laughs> yeah, my dad. Uh, he used to. I, he he had a massive collection of porn tapes, but he only would have two easily accessible at any time. Yeah. I think the rest were buried away somewhere in a trunk. But when I found out where in his closet he was hiding them, I'm sure at some point he must have realized that I was on to him. But as long as they kept being returned, he just never brought yeah. it up. Or uh, when the Looney first came out, mm. as in the sixth grade, and every day, like every day, he always left his wallet. At, their law office used to be in our house. Yeah. And uh, he would always leave his wallet in this one drawer instead of in his pocket. And every day I would go, swipe it, take the loonie out, and then buy a Snickers bar on the way back to school at lunch. And it just made no sense for him to leave his wallet there and to never notice. That one loonie was always missing. Yeah, he was totally, I think, just letting it slide so I could have a chocolate bar. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, cool. But yeah, we never... It's a silent understanding. Right. But yeah. then I wonder if, he, if I would bring that up now and he would just be like, what? Like, just honestly not I remember? I if I brought that up now, it would just be weird. And, <laughs> yeah. I, and he... My, my dad's also the kind of person who would just he would maybe talk about it for like a sentence or two and then we'd move on to like how much he's pissed off about one thing or another it's funny like um, I don't know about your parents but or your your parents Joel but I'm finding that like um, as my dad gets older he's getting a little bit more racist <laughs> and I don't hey, know I find I'm getting that way so I mean. and, and it's funny though and, it, and it's weird though because he'll he'll make all these racist comments but then he's totally like personable with like you know like the black neighbor down the street or like the asian guy across the street and like you know he talks with them and chats with them but then like you know like i I'm, I'll, I'll be at his place or, or driving around with him or whatever and then he'll just like say you know he'll make he'll make comments like well, like you know like you know well clearly the reason that that asian people are bad drivers is because their eyes are so slanted on <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> see, I'm of two minds because, like, like, Dad, come on. Like, I do feel like almost every stereotype is comes from somewhere. Like, yeah. there is there, I, there there maybe there is a disproportionate number of bad Asian drivers, especially female. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like it's just made up out of nowhere. But I really don't think that's why. No, <laughs> you know? no, this is the funny thing is because I've I've been to Asia and I've seen how people drive in Asia. I w- and I would argue that they're excellent drivers. I think the problem is is they don't know how to behave under like calm North American rules. Maybe, you know, like they. My dad's an aggressive driver, though. That's the thing. Yeah, and and like, but I don't know. I I mean, that whole thing is is who knows. But but I do. Yeah, find, that one is a little hard. Yeah. Like I don't know if it really is based on yeah. anything. But yeah. 
But maybe, I don't know. I'm not going to just assume it's not either. <laughs> like, um, maybe there is, like, a Freakonomics thing. Like, I love that when you can find, like, socioeconomic reasons for these things. It's, like, yeah. fascinating, but I've never heard an explanation for that one. Yeah, because it makes some, no sense, because, like, like, Hong Kong is has some crazy driving. Like, just, like, it's hard driving there. I would die a hundred thousand times over. But, uh, you know, they, they get by just fine. But, well, even... Uh, even, even uh, visiting Montreal like uh, last week and even Toronto to a certain extent now is is not only are the drivers crazy but the pedestrians and the bikers are just like it's like fucking like doggy dog out there man <laughs> like no one, no one gives a shit everybody's got a place to be and you just you just try not to kill each other yeah. in, in the process right mm-hmm. so yeah but no, it, see, to me, it's one thing if old people are racist, because then I can kind of go, ah, oh, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of cute, actually. I let it slide. I'm like, oh, dad, right? Stop saying those things. You know, it's it's endearing. They're just the horrible because you know they're in their time. You know, they considered Italians a different race if they were white. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, but but what I do find is that that one thing that you know white people have to understand is we don't own racism by any means. We don't we don't have the license on that. Fuck man. Uh, like any any friend of yours from any other ethnic uh, background will tell you they're probably worse than we are as it's well apparently um, um, what our buddy Mason was saying when he was living in Japan for about six months is that there's a huge amount of racism towards white people, right? Yep. Big yeah, time. and like you know, like there's there's certain places where you can go where they will not allow foreigners in, and it's wow. just like stri- strictly like locals well, only. Well, truthfully, is uh, the rest of Asia loves white people. Japan hates everybody. Hates everybody. They, no, they they think they're the greatest, and well, that's okay because they are. Well, it, like um, <laughs> like from my understanding, J- Japan there is no immigration to Japan. No. Like that's just the way it is. No. Either you're either born there or you get you can leave, but that well, no can, one's coming in. You can live there till you die as a foreigner, but, you're, but, you're but never, you'll never be a citizen. Yeah, you'll never be Japanese. And to be fair, the little bit of uh, you know allowing outside influence has fucked them pretty good. Like all that nonsense about blurring out genitalia in their porn—that was a white guy. I don't that get that. Caused yeah. that. That was. Uh, what, 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 it was what, a, I don't remember his name, but he was a general way back before World War II. And like I don't like. One thing I understand, they'll, they'll, shoot, they'll show like eels flying out of a woman's <laughs> asshole into another woman's mouth, yeah. but like you know, they'll, they'll blur out the vagina. Yeah, okay, I, I feel like it only adds to the repression. Yeah. It just makes things I weirder. Can maybe explain this. Maybe. All right. But 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 culturally speaking, Japanese don't like to go back on anything. Mm-hmm. So if they added that blurring of censorship, they will always have it. So, so an eel and an asshole is fine because that's something nobody thought of, right? And if they didn't, if they didn't, yeah, if it didn't already meet the censorship rules, then it's just fine, right? Yeah. That's so, uh, one thing I love too. Is like now there's there are you can find occasionally like a non mosaic porn, but what they would do for a while is what they would bill as non mosaic porn would be like. You know, in Austin Powers, when uh, Elizabeth Hurley is, like, oh, yeah. just covering up her, her you know, her nipples with teacups or what have you. Yeah. Like, that kind of porn, except it would just be ways to avoid it, like, like sort of through glass that's, like, a shower, like, just opaque enough, or make little cock socks, like, 
So if they had this little the, cock sock on the penis, and then the woman's mouth was covering the, the skin. As well, yeah. Okay. So then, then since all you're seeing is this flesh-colored sock and no actual flesh, then they could get away without oh, mosaics. Like pasties, like no. flesh-colored pasties. Yeah, basically, and it was just like the links they would go to were just like this is really so silly. So, come on. Yeah. Do you think hentai? That's how it got its rise, which is like the cartoon porn. Because yeah. I know they blur some of that out, but... Uh, I think they mostly do, yeah, because, like, early hentai was weird because they didn't intend for it to ever be released anywhere else. They didn't know it would ever be And then the internet happened, and next yeah. thing you know, right. you're looking at, like... Well, it became a big North American market, too, and then when it, they would release it here without the censorship, and it would just be these, like, really lame, super crude genitals. So now they actually go out of their way to draw them right because and it's going to be exported. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, some schoolgirl, like, who springs, like, a three-foot-long dick. Right. Well, they also really do have, like, their little weird sayings and stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, we have our nonsense, like a bird in the hand is worth two in a bush. A lot of theirs do involve, like, eels going into caves and all this weird nautical, yeah. like, island stuff that is, like, euphemisms for penises going in <laughs> vaginas. Next well, thing you know, you got tentacles and crap. And actually, this is something that, um, um, I, I don't know if you guys watched the show The Venture Brothers. No, I haven't. No. Um, I always heard it was really good. But. It's, it's fantastic, but they've... they've always bleep swears they don't have to but but because they're kind of doing this sort of 60s homage thing it totally makes sense but but they constantly have like you know the black bar over genitalia and and all sorts of stuff i ended up getting um uh a version a version of a couple of episodes that were totally unbleeped and totally un uncensored and I didn't like it as much. Right, I can see that. I, I, I liked it censored better. I just thought it was funnier. Yeah, there's some stuff, like when you see a Family Guy clip on the DVDs uncensored, that to me is awesome. I love hearing like Brian yeah. actually say fuck. But I can see in some cases, like, yeah, Venture Brothers has got that whole Johnny Quest vibe going on, right? Totally. So, so. so it's actually funny when it's a bleep, swears because, uh, a bleep swear because these characters are not supposed to swear because they live in this like you know sterile universe in a way like it, like it goes the other way though like take a, a show like trailer park boys when you see like the american edit of oh, it where they bleep the, the swears <laughs> it's weird because like a lot of the swearing they do is just like creative uses of like like swears which make no fucking sense yeah, like yeah, you know yeah shit vultures and like, stuff what? like Leahy's shit things just <laughs> got know, like, nonsense shit typhoons and like, and part of the humor is just because these are so ridiculous, right? Like, you know, like it's like a shit tornado, like you know, and and when, whenever Ricky swears, like in, in, I can't remember what he says, but but like when you believe it, it takes it's part of the part of the joke, which is gone from him. Like it's just weird. Yeah, it's true. yeah, yeah, and that that's actually something um, like uh, Deadwood. Um, because I just finished Deadwood, and it's so disappointing because it, it, it feels like a show that got canceled. So it breaks my heart because it was so good. But they swear so fucking much in that show. It's so good. And then now there's this new series called Hell on Wheels, and I just want everybody to cuss. Like, I just want them to, to, to like, say cocksucker every fifth word. It would just make that show so much better. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, let's do the fucking black black. All right, okay. so 
Did we have a picture of this shit? Let's make sure we got a picture of this. So, so we had a. Um, does your picture thing work? Well, we got together and was it Friday? On Friday, on Friday with uh, Scarborough dude, and it wasn't like a podcasting thing. It was just us hanging out. Even though like um, he recorded some stuff with me, but um, that was that was not the intention. <laughs> so he he brought us gum from faraway lands from, from the from faraway Orient, Japan, which I. I hate to say I, I, I tucked into a bit of it the other day, but... Uh, yeah, I think Craig said he had some, too. It didn't sound pleasant from you guys. Oh, it's in... Uh, I thought it would be... It's in stick form. It's yep. like uh, fucking double your pleasure. This game, there's a game called Black Black. Black Black. From Lot? Didn't we have something from Lot before? Yeah, Lot... Lot um, you know who else, what Lot makes? Is, Black uh, Black Fizz. Fizz Candy. Oh. Man, it's, this stuff uh, looks hardcore. It's in, like, yeah. the... Let's get a picture of this too. Just what, what this shit looks like. This is awesome. Yeah, so it's in a black wrapper. It's like death metal. Oh shit, yours is red? What the fuck? This is oh, they're crazy. All, they're Wait, let me, let me take them all out. Maybe they're all different. It's black metal gum. There we go. Yeah, it's totally black metal gum. Sweet. But what Craig told me the other day is he said, You ever have Fisherman's Friend? And I was like, Oh god. <laughs> He's like, Well, here's the gum. Yeah, you know, I couldn't find that type of shit in the States. When I got sick, I was trying to find Buckley's and Fisherman's Friend, and all they have is, like, this wussy, like, balls that taste like cherry and shit. And the gum is kind of grayish, looks like. I don't know how to describe this other than it looks like... Like a... Like pavement. It looks like a dirty chalkboard. There we go, yeah. I do this. No. no. Oh. It smells bad. Yep. Whoa, oh my god, yeah, like that mentholated whatever... It's like, it's like holes in a gum form. Yeah. It's actually just from the tail end of my little sickness. This very could be helpful. Oh, this feels nice. Actually. I wonder if that's what it's supposed to be. Is it supposed to be a medicated gum? If you could read Japanese, you would know. Hmm. Man. Well, it's like, I guess it's not so bad because I knew what I was getting into, but this clearly <sighs> tastes like... Uh, yeah. I recognize a couple of characters. It says, gum with lotus... You son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. You mother. No, sorry. Go, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, like. You're not meant for stupid white <laughs> Assuming this is meant to be like medicine gum, then it's all good. If it's not, then don't buy black, black gum. <laughs> this is not pleasant. I actually enjoy it. It's, it's like getting kicked to the crotch. But are you going to the club and you're making out with some hot chick and yeah, she's and not going to taste kicked. this? No, but. Yeah, you, she smells that on you and she's wondering if you have some sort of throat infection that you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Shit, though, you mind if I keep these? Because, like, I feel like this could really, the rest of these, because this could really clear out, like, say, Dude, go, to, go to town. Yeah, I'm matter. feeling a little, uh, you know, sinusy tomorrow. Just fucking put in some gum. Let me, uh, let me keep one more stick. If, if yeah, sure. Just because I, uh... Tricks your, your foes at work. Oh, you want some gum? <laughs> well, uh, Eric, if you'll... I, I know the drill. If you would do the honors, sir. Bitch cake. Grab. Two slices? Fuck. Let's have three. All right. <laughs> Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> Shit, yeah. Let's all have a slice today. Right. It's a special mm, thing. Bitch cake. Because Latinos are the next oppressed in line. Yeah. Black, well, the Latinos can't wait for black people's oppression to be over <laughs> so they can move up the <laughs> oppression ladder. They're like, good, now it's us. And another thing, here's, here's why Latinos and Asians are going to have a tough time moving up the slots. I'll tell you exactly why. Why? They have not yet 
chosen a color. They're too specific. <laughs> Do you understand? So whatever anybody calls you, like if you're Puerto Rican or if you're Mexican or you're Cuban, a lot of people don't know this because they we group them all into the same thing. That's you right. have to be quite worldly and you have to give a damn <laughs> to know this whole Latino situation. Right. First of all, every racial group, if you didn't notice, has a white the white part. The part that's the white people. Yeah. The part that they don't like. Like Asians is Japanese. They mm. don't like Jap the average of all the other um Asians don't like Japanese people. Because they're like the 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 high oppressor. Yeah. Kind of. Really? Yes. Yeah. Ask it call it Chinese you person look, Japanese look, and see look what at you any get. any uh karate flick with Bruce Lee is always they Chinese dogs and they don't and the 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 samurai are oppressing the Chinese people. Yeah, kicking their sign in the air. You didn't know that, did you, white guys? You're floating above the planet Earth. <laughs> All other races, if you want to be the next oppressed, as soon as we're over, as soon as we get upgraded to at least sharing the Earth with white people, sharing power, because I'm very ready to be racist. And uh, ultimately, I want to be in charge of racism after this, because white guilt Secretary. has just destroyed y'all. Secretary of racism. No, president of racism. <laughs> Here's what white people can keep. You can keep out of space, <laughs> and you can keep the ocean. You can keep anywhere where I ain't going. You can keep anywhere. You can keep mountain climbing. You can keep zoos like catching things that don't need to be caught you can do that and then you can also keep um cr crab fishing what about, for what about parapsychology <laughs> wait a minute then for some reason i have to turn on the tv every day and see what a tough job it is to catch crabs <laughs> i don't want to feel guilty when i eat by my trout to be quite honest with you <laughs> I don't want to know that some guy fell in the ocean and died for my whiting or my tuna. Crab legs. Really? Deadliest catch. Deadliest catch. I love, my, my, I'm an orphan. <laughs> I'm orphan because my dad died. Dipping crab legs in butter. That's a crab fest at Red Lobster. <laughs> no, People what? are dying. I'm going to do the cross across my chest. <laughs> every time I dip a, the, a crab leg in butter. The Mexican Odios Mios cross every time <laughs> I order endless endless ribs and and yes. bread basket with a side of king crab who asked you to do that okay ice trucker y'all can keep ice trucking here's what white people can keep i'm wait, in charge wait, of racism are we sharing you're just giving us i'm stuff? letting you have stuff that you already have so if we're upgrading that means you we have, have to, to worry about we that. have to div it up so basically, I, basically, white people can keep the Discovery Channel. White people can keep A and E, the Discovery Channel. You can keep biographies. What we get, we absolutely get racism. We get to keep because we're gonna be good at it when black people are upgraded to no more oppressed. And don't let me lose this point because I'm gonna let other races know how to move up to the ladder. Right. Quite frankly, Latinos are absolutely next in line. I know gays want to be next. So it's like the deli, and everybody's got a number, yes. and the Latinos number. have yes. number two, and yes. they're next. White people have been doing what they do really at the deli 
standing there thinking way too long and holding us up. Mm. <laughs> Let me taste this. Let me get a sample. <laughs> Not caring who's behind him. <laughs> Let me sample. Let me sample the honey glazed turkey. And now um, your number's been called. Finally, um, I don't know. Mm. Oh my goodness. How much is the coleslaw? How is that? A Everybody's pound? in the back and they're not paying attention. White people never pay attention to black people's. Excuse me. Can I just ask a quick question, please? No, no. All right, all righty. So for about a good five hundred and twelve years, y'all been taste testing the beef. All right. Now, soon Spanish as we olives. get our turn. White people, you will not be moved away. You will not be ostracized. Right. You can keep, like I said, we get racism because we're going to be good at it. And we're not clouded by uh, guilt. If, if you're Arab, you are not to work at the airport. It's a simple thing. <laughs> <laughs> For president of racism. No, and it's not going to be any like, no explanation. Things. No explanation. It's gonna, here's, here's what the press conference is going to be. Um... Ladies and gentlemen, uh, president of racism, please on there. Arabs are not allowed to work at the airport. But uh, excuse me, what? Why not? Shh, I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> you're Arab. <laughs> you cannot do any security. You can't. I'm sorry, Arabs. It's fair enough. It's, it is. This is President Racist Patrice. Um, and you can. You're not allowed to go anywhere near bags. Now.
Final Countdown. Ca.